0: Hey everybody, welcome to Darisha's podcast, Elite Mastery. I created this um, series of podcasts because I felt that um, there's lots of information out there to inspire and motivate individuals like myself and people that I work with uh, throughout the year and all the speeches and talks that I do. So throughout the month and throughout the year, I'll be interviewing people who are experts in their fields and I consider them as masters. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Darish's Fireside Chat. Uh, Today, in this episode, I want to introduce you to Jeff Smith, who's a dear friend of mine. Uh, I met Jeff uh, as he did a keynote uh, speech, and it just blew me away. I had an interest in a thing called KPIs, Key Performance Indicators, and I got to know that Jeff is a world-renowned expert on KPIs, and he has actually written um, what I believe today is a world record of the biggest selling KPI book the history, right Jeff? It is. Uh, thank you Darius. Um, good afternoon, good morning and welcome wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming here and accepting our invitation in your busy diary. Oh, it's
1: nice to pop into your office. What a beautiful office you have here. Thank you Credit so to
0: much. You. Thank you. Um, Jeff, so the audience get to know a little bit about you. Can you tell us where you come from, your background? I know. Were you born in the UK? I was born in the UK, yes. So I'm from the center
1: of the UK you probably wouldn't detect that from my accent. That's gone a long time. So most people think, oddly, I'm from South Africa. And, I'm, and I'm, I, for me, I don't sound anything South African. But I think what's happened is I've traveled the world so much and I speak to many different cultures, I try to neutralize my accent. So it's understandable for many, many people to understand. So you so, worked at it. It's been a conscious yeah, I, decision. I, I, to work, a I worked at it initially. And then now it's just it's just found its own level, and this is what I'm stuck with now.
0: Yes. So you were born what around the Birmingham area? Yes, that's correct. And yeah. then uh, did you go to college, university? No, I didn't actually. So I was
1: this quiet guy at school at the back that no one noticed or anything like that. I hated school, but my passion then was music. So from about the age of twelve, I was playing keyboards and things like that. And I really wasn't interested in anything else at all, so I left school. Um, I then started as a mechanical and, and electrical engineer, and I went nothing to, co- to do with, music. Nothing nothing to do with music. music. I played in yeah. a band and well, it, 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 it's an interesting story. How, how the next chapter unfolds was quite fascinating. So. I uh, I took an apprenticeship as a mechanical and electrical engineer, and I went to college and did all my things and got my papers and got qualified. So, but that that started at the age of sixteen, and I was earning per week seven pounds ninety one. You were rich. So <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you do with I all that money? I was talking to Darius. So, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah,
0: how skint I was. I, I, I was on a plane yesterday. And uh, they sold me a Kit Kit Kat for two euros fifty. Yeah. And I was like, that was my income for like three days. Yeah. Do you remember Maltesers were like ten pence? Yeah. A pack?
1: I, I remember before yeah. pence. I remember the old currency. Yes. Wow. Amazing. So, so 70, of my, of
0: 70, the, in 70s in seventies they changed the currency, right? Yeah. 72. shillings, pounds and shillings. Nineteen
1: seventy-two. Yeah. Amazing. So, so at sixteen, wow, I'm seven pounds. Yeah, I was uh, I was then uh, 16 in 1976. Yes. So what happened, half of it went to my mom to, for my food and keeping and things Amazing. like that, yeah. And then I had one pound left because I, I bought a car and it was petrol and I had enough for one journey a week and that was to go see my girlfriend. So I could go see one, one day a week. Then come back. That was it. That's all I could But afford. you had a
0: sense of responsibility at uh, 16, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. not many people at 16 earn the money and give half of it to their mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. single yeah. mum or you had both No, parents? no, I have wonderful parents. Uh, sad-
1: sadly, they're both gone now. That's but I ha- my parents, my best friends, they're amazing people, love them dearly and amazing. taught me a lot.
0: Were they self-employed? Were they employed? Where did you get this?
1: Well, my father was actually the manager of the largest machine shop in Europe. And he had a hand in building and solving the problems for the Thames Barrier, the bridge over the River Humber, bridge over the Bosphorus. Real clever, intelligent guy, but didn't understand money. So I won't say we were poor. I'd say we were broke. Because I think poor is a state of mind. Broke is a state of pocket. So he earned it, but he didn't manage it. No, he didn't earn it. Right. it well,
0: was he was just saying it. He just didn't know his well,
1: worth. Well, well, here's an interesting thing. So there's there's a couple of stories I'll share with you now Please. That, that overlap. Please. So I leave school. I become qualified engineer. Seven pounds ninety one a week. And one day I'm up this ladder in the snow, fixing a crane, and I have an electric shock. And I think, what on earth am I doing here? What am I doing this for? for £7.91. And even when you're fully qualified then, the money wasn't great. And then it was my parents' 25th wedding anniversary, and they hired a club, and all, all the people from the, the place where my dad worked, so there was about 200 people there, and they had a band. So they had a keyboard player, a drummer, a guitarist, and things like that. Well, I don't know whether you know, but there's a special song for the, anniversary, the wedding anniversary, it's called the Anniversary Waltz. And what happens, the, the married couple, who've been married 25 years, take to the dance floor on their own and dance to this Anniversary Waltz. Everybody stands around and claps, and then everybody joins them in the dance. So I made a secret. I went to the band and said, can I play the Anniversary Waltz for my mum and dad, please? And they went, wow, that would be great. What do you play? And I said, I'll play the keyboards. So they said, do you want to look at it? And I said, no, 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 I'm fine. I said, I'll, I'll set it up during the break. So when you go for your break, when you come back, it's ready. I'll just walk on. I said, I'll have the drummer. I don't need anything else. And then I'll just call my mum and dad onto the floor to dance, you know. And so I did that. And of course, they had tears in their eyes. I had tears in my eyes, things like that. So I'm i can feel you getting emotional yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so know, i was 17 at the time just about i think so i played and the keyboard player in the band looked at me in shock and he said were you self-taught uh, no I had, yeah, I had proper lessons, lessons. Oh. i was properly educated and so um he said wow you're an incredible player amazing he said, how old are you and i said 17 he went I've been playing for 20 years and you're way better than I am. How do you do that? And I said, I just practice a lot, you know, yes. it's, it's what I like. So I came off the stage and then a guy comes over to me and he said, I'm a music agent. Would you like me to, to fix up some gigs for you? And I said, no, I'm not interested. I, I just play at home. And he said, no, no. He said, I can instantly from See tomorrow... Panels from tomorrow, I can get you working three nights a week. Now, bear in mind, when I was an engineer, up a ladder, in the snow, electric, electric shock, shock £7.91 per week, he said, I'll pay you £40 a night, three nights a week. I said, let me think about that for a moment. I'll take it. <laughs> so, I went to speak with my dad, and, uh, and he said... Well, it's up to you. I would suggest you finish your qualifications first and get fully qualified so you have your um, papers to fall back on, which I did. So I used to be the engineer during the day and then at night time I, I used to go, get, go get out Serious playing. money. Earning serious money. You're earning proper money. Then I thought, well, there's no point to this electrical engineering job anymore. There's just
0: no point. Did you do events like weddings and pubs and so on? Did you work well, for a band? Bear in mind
1: now. Let yes. me take you back in time. We're going back now to 1977. CD had not yet been invented. So if you went to a nightclub and you were a singer, you didn't have any backing tracks to take with you. You bought music and you had to give that music to the live musician who's play for you that was you were the yeah. Amazing. yeah. So I used to go all over the UK playing nightclubs for singers and backing cabaret. and things Was it like. just one singer or various singers? It doesn't matter. You played the music. Yeah. Whoever turned up, I yeah. just play. Yeah. So that exposed me. I guess you were me.
0: reliable as a kid. You, they could trust you that you'll turn up. Yeah,
1: like, I can yeah, feel yeah. It. yeah. But my, my dad used to take me everywhere anyway at that age. Yeah, and then when I was 18, I thought I need to leave the electrical business behind. Then I became a professional musician then. So during the day I used to sell them, and then at night, play and go play. So I would be playing eight or 10 hours a day, every day. So you get to be pretty good. Do you still play? No, not played for 30 years now. But I bet you could just play if you wanted to. I bet I couldn't.
0: Really? You yeah. Feel Why do yeah. you
1: Ah, uh, All right, so let me complete the story now. Sure. What happens? Um, So during the day I used to sell them, so 1979 now, this was a pivotal change in my life, everything upside down and inside out. I was working in Birmingham city centre in a shop that sold keyboards, organs, pianos, guitars, things like this. And I heard this Porsche turn up outside of the store, you know, the engine and it was a black Porsche 911 Targa, like my dream car. And this guy walks in and he said, hello, and I said, hi, how can I help you today? And he said, I'd like to look at something really special in an electric organ, keyboard. What do you have? Now at that time. Technics, or National Panasonic, had just revolutionized the the music industry. So it was the first time you could record an instrument and it would be faithfully portrayed on a keyboard. It was phenomenal. Now let me put this into context. We lived in a council house and the price of that council house was £2,000. This keyboard I was showing him was £4,000. And we couldn't afford to buy the house at £2,000. So it was, wow. And the mo- I think the most money I'd seen at that stage was about two or £300, something. That kind of context. Yeah. So this, this brand new keep Technics U90, was the, the keyboard that came out. So I played it for him. He said, wow, that's amazing. I'll take it. And I said, okay. So I'll call him Dave. I guess that's his name. So... I said, Dave, we have one request. And he said, well, I have a request too. And he said, I'd like you to deliver it for me on Monday. So we now on Thursday. I'd like you to deliver it to my house on Monday. I set it up for me and uh, play some music in my home. And that's not an unusual request for, for something of that kind of price. So I said, yes, that's no problem. But we have a request too, Dave. We need cleared funds before we deliver. He said, that's okay, no problem. I'll pop in on Saturday. So he jumps his black 911 target drives away into the sunset. He comes back on Saturday. He comes with a Tesco's bag, tips oh out, 4,000 pounds. I'm like, oh my goodness me, what do I, this is twice the price of my house. What do I do with this? So, uh, so I called the boss on the place and he very quickly arrived and took the money away, with, as you can with imagine. With security, <laughs> yeah, with security. Like, watch this guy, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, so, so Monday Did comes Did you get any
0: commission for the sale? Yeah,
1: yeah Oh, that's alright no. yeah, yeah, One, doc, one pound <laughs> So Monday comes and I deliver this keyboard to his home and it's a private road with video to open the gates This is 1977 yeah, big, yes. This is like James Bond territory, you know So we drive down this archway through the archway down the drive and it opens up the double doors to his house never in my life have i ever seen anything like it so he says hey jeff bring it through to the east wing like, what well, this guy's house was u-shaped so we took it through to the east wing set it up for him and i remember when we walked through his doors first of all my feet sank into the carpet and quality things. yeah and i'd never experienced that before I thought, wow. And it was beautifully decorated. And I just, it was my first ever experience of wealth. Of of wealth, yes, absolutely. So I played for him for a couple of hours, went away. And he was really old. I was going to say, how old was he? He was really old. He was about 45. Okay. Thanks, Jen. (laughs) I feel great now. Yeah. yeah. So he's He's 17 or 18 at the time, you recall. So I so this is this is what happened. My life
0: changed at that point. Was he? What, what was he? What did he I, do? I don't, you know he don't know what he I did. don't know what he did. I don't
1: know what he did. So, well, I can't remember what he did. it's probably more accurate. You could Google him, could you? I'm no. Sure. So, um, so I, so I, 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 I this question. Burning desire, and it has been my whole life. How is it that this guy? as old as he was, has obviously made a considerable amount of money. And here's my dad, who's a very, very clever engineer, solved lots of problems the world over, made some interesting stuff, and he has no money. It's not that he made money and couldn't manage it. it just never made money. He just never made money. What's the difference then between someone who's intelligent enough to be rewarded but isn't and then there's someone else who, who's clearly made a lot of money. So my first question was how does a millionaire become a millionaire? That was, that was my starting point. So I formally interviewed 325 millionaires over the next 15 years. Now bear in mind I was exposed to cabaret and a, a lot of famous people Um, So I was meeting lots of famous people, people like Lenny Henry, um, lots, lots and lots. So, So, once I found out the formula for success, what I actually discovered over this period, over about 15 years, was there are 11 things that successful people do in common. Now, some of them are aware of these 11 steps. Some people are aware of some of the 11 steps and some people are just not aware that they, they they just do it but they do these 11 things so i thought well if i do these 11 things i don't have to follow the path of my father and the rest of my family i can follow the path of my choice then the question changed it wasn't how does a millionaire become a millionaire it was it came much broader to be how does a successful person become successful because success is not always attributed to wealth, right? Sure. So, whatever you want in your life, I then started surveying a much wider uh, field of people to understand what success they'd had in their life and how they'd achieved it. You know what was amazing? The same 11 steps
0: were there. Each time, Jeff, yeah. I, I want to know about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but before that, you were young. You were eight, 17, 18. So yeah. now letters. Those are, you, let, you send letters, right? How did you find out about these 300 millionaires? How, what letter did you send them? Because so the people listening to is thinking, what was this magic letter that they gave in the audience? Sure. Would you like to share that with us? Sure. Um, the bulk of people, I would just
1: meet them. So I speak at conferences now and I meet lots of famous people, lots of celebrities. No, when you started searching yeah, before when you yeah, were seven. Yeah. Oh. So I was back in Cabaret. So I was meeting then lots of famous people, lots of famous singers. So I was exposed to them. Wow. And then they would have friends and I'd say, Oh, you know Bob Monkhouse or you know Ken Dodd, or you know and then I'd get to
0: meet these people later on as well. Amazing. Yeah. And then you literally interviewed them, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were yep. fine sharing their Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Amazing. Because yeah. most people, are f- they have a fear of rejection, so they don't go out there looking. Yeah, see, it, it's not personal questions like
1: how much you're worth and things like that mm-hmm. and how did you do it. It's more about the mindset of how
0: they think about their life. And before that, you never had any personal development, interest in personal development. Did you read books or nothing? So That was the trigger you needed to go into? So um, So that was the beginning of the journey. Mm-hmm. Then... If we
1: fast forward in time to around, uh, I'd be about thirty years old then, so about nineteen ninety, something like that. I had a job where I used to drive forty thousand miles a year. So, so I I left. I just let me just fill in the blank there because you think, oh, what happened next? Yeah, I'll send you back. Yeah, so I got to twenty three. And I was offered a job on the cruise liners as a musician. So you're away for 16 weeks. And I thought, I don't really want to be away from home 16 weeks. Come back, then find another contract. I thought, ah. And I lost my passion for music. It became a job. So what I used to love, I didn't love anymore. It was a work and it was a job I no longer enjoyed. The money didn't matter. So I gave it all up, I quit. And I was still living at home at the time, I was 23. And I, I went home one day, and I said, Dad, I've had enough. And he said, so what are you going to do then? Because you can't sit here on your ass, you need to go out and get a job and earn some money. I said, yeah, yeah, of course. But first, I'm just going to take a break. I'm just exhausted. So, um, so I had a break for two, three weeks. And then I just opened the newspaper, and I thought, I don't know what I want to do, I just want something to uh, occupy my mind for a couple of months until I know what I want to do. Yes. And there was a job advertised for a car salesperson, 50 pounds a week, the rest is commission, off you go. And I thought, that will just keep me occupied. So I did that,
0: and then here I am then at the top of the industry in a number of years. So, so you were twenty three, going to the car sales industry. Yeah, and what made you a successful twenty three year old car salesman? I think because
1: I'd been working with lots of famous people, um, my rapport skills was really, really good. So I, as a you're still young at twenty three, you're still a young boy, really, and I had the ability to converse with adults and all the people their at their level, mm-hmm. yes absolutely, and in confidence as well. So, uh, so it was trust, they trusted you, they liked you.
0: Yeah, Th- those two things are key ingredients aren't they, trust and like. Sure, at that time were you seeking to, to find out the keys to success? Or? Yes, mm-hmm. because the journey
1: started when I was 18. Wow. So, then I so was maybe thinking, some
0: of that input helped as well,
1: right? Oh, you t- I, no doubt, no doubt about it. So then I started, well what makes a good salesperson a good salesperson? What does the most successful salesperson do? So I researched those things. Guess what? Those 11 steps are there. So two years, I did really, really well. I get promoted to be a sales manager. Guess what happened? I started studying the best sales managers. Guess what? The same 11 steps. So I just continually, continually applied it then after two years I got promoted to be a general manager so I was the youngest uh, general manager in the UK looking after it was a Renault dealership so we had sales service parts body shop uh, quite a large organization you enjoyed it you found you found it I loved it so I did that for two years and then um, I hadn't quite found it yet I hadn't whilst I enjoyed that and loved it the the owner came to me one day and he said, I want to give you another dealership, so you run two, and you'll be a director now. And I said, OK. And this is where my, my real journey into key performance indicators really began. Uh, it, it began when I was a sales manager to understand the sales team and what they were doing. Then when I became general manager, I needed to understand service department, parts department, body shop. So I created all the key performance indicators. But when you have more than one business to run, and you're not on site the whole time, there's spinning plates everywhere. And you have to know, at the end of the day,
0: what's oh, happening yeah,
1: in, in exactly. each area. So that, that was really what made the difference, me and the, and the rest. I thought everybody else used key performance indicators, I didn't know it was just me. So then I did really well won awards with franchises and all the trips abroad and these things. Then I had three dealerships. Then I was looking after 10 dealerships. Um, Were you single at the time? No, I was married. I got married at the age of 26. So
0: 1986. So you were juggling a lot of plates. Juggling marriage, juggling
1: business. Yeah. Well, if we rewind the story a little, you know, go back to 1977. I bought the car. And I had enough... The 9-11? No, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) You know, you remember I had enough petrol to go see my girlfriend. She was the girlfriend. I married her, yeah, and we've been married for 33 years, yeah. Congratulations. Do you have children? Yeah, I have two girls. So the youngest one has just left home now, so we're trying to get to grips with empty nest syndrome. So beautiful girls, and they're both daddy's girls, of course, well, so, so awesome. And they have their own careers. They're doing really well. I'm really proud of them.
0: So did your mom and dad's house improve as your life improved? Um, no.
1: Uh, my mom died two years after we got married. Okay. So, so when? Nineteen? So that 1988. 1988. So we got married in 86. She died. She had cancer in 1988. So then my dad was left alone. Uh, so he was alone for a couple of years. Then he met another lady. He got married. Wonderful. Great. He passed away uh 2010. And she's still going strong. She's just 92 now. Wow. So we still take care of her and uh, so help her be with became sh-
0: your second mom. Yeah, way. yeah, oh, yeah. That's yeah, nice. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. So. Uh, Still in the Midlands. Yes, yes. So your home base is still the Midlands. Still the Midlands, yes. But you travel a lot. I do, I do. So you
1: travel alone. Your wife doesn't come with you, right? Well, the idea, Darius, was when the girls are younger, my my wife just wanted to be a mom, and she's I can't leave my girls. I don't want to leave them with the grandmother and so I'm going to be at home later on when they're older when they go to university then it would be nice to come travel with you that would be my ultimate you know I think she's kind of three trips now twice
0: to Dubai and once to Miami that's it wonderful so the 11 thank you so much for that yeah and I know sometimes it's not easy sharing personal information so I hope I haven't been prying too much no not at all because we've known each other for a while but I didn't know all these details yeah thank you for that uh, the 11th, the, would you like to share with us the 11 things that people, successful people have in common well when I did I, I'll tell you a
1: story about the 11 steps Please. when I share the first step most people can't do it so I'll come back to that in a moment but over the years I, um, I developed these 11 steps and, and they're built into my family so I don't say this is step one this is step two it's kind of our way of life so my girls now are both real high achievers and uh, and of course it's no coincidence and now and again they might say oh yes do this you know yes. like money always invest the principal amounts and and spend the interest not the principal don't spend on depreciating assets and things like that so they, they mention these things as a joke but it's within their dna so you would now we did all this before reached that poor dad oh yeah 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 way before way before oh, wow. And and then it came time for my daughters to leave home. And I thought, I want to give them something. When they put their foot over the step to say, bye-bye, this is a new life now, I want to give them something. So when they're in that moment of darkness and think, what should I do, what would my dad say? So I created a graphic, a picture. And uh, that's my coat of arms which has now become my company logo yeah,
0: I know and this.
1: that company logo contains it's all coded it looks like a, messages, a coat of arms but, it's, but it, it's completely coded with 11 steps and the eight guiding principles for life wow. that's all in there yeah
0: fascinating isn't it yeah. how do you fit it all in Fits <laughs> all what in everything that you do all the traveling all the creativity the books how many books have you written now um, I've published seven and right now I'm writing
1: four simultaneously. So by twenty twenty, it'll be eleven. So
0: every night you write one chapter, or how do you discipline yourself? To- no, um, I don't write like that. Um, I, ha- I have
1: a phase I call book mode, and it probably takes me a year to get my head ready to say I've got enough space cleared around my life. I can sit down and think nothing else but about what I'm going to write. So, um, and for
0: Four simultaneously?
1: Yeah, there, there, there's a reason for that though, because I'm creating uh, an international worldwide qualification for the automotive industry. It doesn't have any. So, if we look at sales manager, service manager, parts manager, body shop manager, general managers, owners, directors, thing, there's nothing to say that they're competent. So over the last 15 years I've based it on three questions. So let's take on a sales manager, used car sales manager. What do they need to know and do in order to be recognized at an international level as competent to do that job? Hmm. So we do a certificate, is do you know what you need to know? Then there's a diploma. So you've proven that you know, now prove that you know how to apply. And then the Masters is, okay, have you done it? And this is like a course
0: they have to attend?
1: Um, Well, I originally set it up as an awarding body because lots of manufacturers do their own courses and lots of research you can do online. But as one of the most well-known people for training in automotive industry everybody said well Jeff I want to do that but I want to do the training with you I want the whole thing yeah and also independent right Uh, absolutely independent best of, and also you got the best of all worlds that's right yes yes Uh, the nice thing about that Darius is that whilst you might have franchise dealerships who do their own training through their OEMs you have the small independent who don't get exposed to the best practices, no support, no, nothing.
0: nothing. And I thought, I want to reach out to them and have them included. What are the numbers? How many dealerships are there in, authorised dealerships in the UK, and how many small dealerships are there, or small resellers? I think that's classified, and if I told you I'd have to kill you and eat you. But to give you some idea,
1: to give you some idea, so we're in Dubai today. How many Porsche dealers are in Dubai? One. Okay, in England, and Wales and Scotland, which is not very big, thirty-four.
0: That's amazing.
1: And they're that's five that's miles just away just from one each brand. other. Yeah, just, just one brand. So it's thirty-four. If you look at a, a volume brand like Peugeot, you're much closer to four hundred. Hmm. So the level of competition is huge. You've really got to be good at everything in order to survive. So in terms of business management and how the business runs I think because of that very high level of competition in the UK, UK
0: has emerged to be the top in the world, mm-hmm. the best in the yeah. world. Because they don't have the distance, they're all next to each other, yeah, high absolutely. population. Yeah, yep. Wow, amazing. So you're writing four books?
1: Yeah, four books. Um, and the idea here, so the best-selling book I've done is called the KPI book. And that covers sales, service parts, body shop, sales yeah, that's process. that's the first book I read Yeah, yours. that's and it. That covers I, I everything. But if you're just a sales manager, you only want 20% of that book. Mm. And the rest of it, you won't use. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take that book. So if you imagine it as an album in the old days, like a, a, a pop group used to release an album, then they'd release singles. The books I'm releasing now, the four books, are like singles from the
0: album. Uh You pick pick the titles or sections and then you enhance them.
1: Yes. So the KPI book is everything within a dealership, everything within a business, the whole. And then I'll pick out the section that says sales manager. So we have all the KPI information. And then the red book, the one that's on management accounts, I'll just take out the sales manager part. So we put those together. So I've done that for sales service parts, body shop and everything. But then I'm adding to it also to put some best practice initiatives in. So it's the ultimate book then for each of the managers, which form the foundations of the qualification. So they become certified in that role and to be proven competent. Uh,
0: Is the next step to go to the manufacturers and get some kind of authorization from them or they're not going to do it? Okay, they all want it, Mm -hmm. so I went to one very
1: well known, well they're all well known, but one very big manufacturer and they said can we brand this as our own? I said "No, no absolutely not and the reason is because what I've done is to look at the core skills of a sales manager and it doesn't matter whether you're in Porsche, Mercedes, Benz, Rolls, the core skills are the same. And I didn't want it to be a political tool. Yes. So the core skills are the same. So it doesn't matter whether you work in Dubai, whether you work in Thailand, or anywhere else in the world, the things you need to know
0: and do are the same. You mentioned some top brands, Mercedes, yep. Porsche, and I know you work with Rolls Royce and Bentley. Mm-hmm. Now, your methods don't have to be with high end product, because I know in sales, some people say, it's okay, you've got rich clients. Yes, but it doesn't make a difference, does it? No, not so. No. To be um, successful with sales is just a method. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about, I'm still one. You want the to the know 11, the 11 yes, steps. Yeah, yes, exactly. Does it okay. come in order of
1: or priority? Yeah, it's sequential. I'm not going to tell you all 11. I'm just going to tell you one. Because most and you've got to tell us ten mm-hmm. wanting one, mm-hmm. tell us mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. and wanting ten, right? See, if I had my coat of arms here, mm-hmm. I could show you. you. Uh, so maybe we'll do that later, sure. or, or maybe on another time where we can show it on, to, on the screen to, yeah. as
0: well. For so, the listeners, can you give them two or three of those yeah. skills? Yeah. So the first one,
1: on? the first one is the difference between a successful pe- person and let me say someone else. A successful person will know what they want.
0: Sense of purpose.
1: Not necessarily a sense of purpose. They'll know what they want. So, for instance, I, I could say to many people, What do you want? And they'll say, I want to earn more money.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to be rich.
1: Not necessarily rich. I say, I want to earn more money. Mm. And I say, OK, I'm going to make your dreams come true. And I'll put my hand in my pocket. I'll take out a coin. I'll give it to them. I'll say, There you are. You now have more money oh I wanted more than that I said, but you were not specific were you so the thing is with successful people they are unbelievably specific so it's it's a non successful person will be I want more money well how much is that I don't know where a successful person will say I want a million dollars and the evidence will be I want to see a million dollars printed on my bank statement on June the ninth,
0: twenty twenty-three.
1: That that's the difference.
0: That's, you've realised that some of it's not. Some of it's self taught. Some of yeah. it's within them. Some of them have seeked it and learned it. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Which one's the most common? Which one's the most probably like? Because I've I've met people who have that within them. Right. Yes. Somehow their DNA, their energies. Yes. What do you think that is? Why is it some people have it and some people don't? Um. Is it exposure? This conversation could go
1: real wide Mm -hmm. now, couldn't Mm -hmm. it? So, seven billion people on the planet, and each of us is unique. None of us are the same. And I think there's a reason for that, which has enabled our survival as a species. So no matter what problem befalls mankind, there's always someone somewhere who has the answer. So I think we're born each born with something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can say it's a purpose, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's what I think I- I- in its broadest sense.
0: But not all of them have the same values, right?: oh, <laughs> I learned very
1: on, very, very early on. There's this thing called integrity, right? Yes. We all have it, but very different levels.
0: very different levels of integrity. So, um, Because poor people say money doesn't go on trees, yeah. uh, rich people are bad people, and yeah, yeah. but not necessarily true. No, absolutely not. not absolutely most not. of the rich people I know, they're really good people. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I know some really rich people who are really not very nice. Yes. Uh, have you heard of the singer Tom Jones, My My Delilah, do you of know course. any of his songs? Can you sing any? Yes, of course. Can you sing any?
0: Uh, I'm
1: not going to put you on the stop. And <laughs> mm, now no, you said the like, I know
0: the line. Uh, yeah, a few. Uh, okay. So yes, I'm 12 years kiss. old. That was that oh, was that right. was Prince, wasn't it?
1: Uh, he did it though, as well. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, Kiss. Yeah,
1: but wine back all the way back now. I say I'm the white sheep of our family. So uh, wine back 1972. Tom Jones had. Uh, he's famous now and one of the most famous interviews in the world Michael Parkinson was interviewing him on TV and 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 this it changed my life again another profound moment in my life I'm 12 years old so Michael Parkinson is sitting there and he said Tom you've done okay you've obviously made a lot of money and Tom Jones sits and he nods and he said yeah I've, I've done all right and he so then Michael Parkinson said so this money, has it changed you? And then what Tom Jones said has such a profound effect upon me, as a 12-year-old boy, it changed my life. Here's what he said. Money doesn't change people. It allows them to be the person who they really are. Who? Who they really are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if someone's poor and they have to go to work and they have to earn money and they have to have a job, you can't be themselves. Mm-hmm. And then when they get money, they some people themselves. are nice, some people are not very nice. So money doesn't change people, it allows them to be the person yes. who they really are. So nice people become nicer? Absolutely, people. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And I thought, wow wow and that has stuck with me from, a, from being a 12 year old boy it's amazing but you had a TV then so I'm, I'm quite impressed yeah we didn't it, have a TV it, in 72 yeah it was one of these TVs where you had to put um, money in the back and turn it was half a crown <laughs> it was on a meter
0: really and it was always my, on e- the, my electrics in my house were like that 50p yeah. and then halfway yeah. in the middle of I don't know Magnum p, boom, the whole area. It, yeah. I'm <laughs> looking around the house 50p <laughs> meters but the funny thing is I remember my family they used to have a film and, they, and because the TVs were black and white mm. and the film had like yellow and blue That's and we right, stick it on, this window, so, so. on the window on the screen it was like oh we've got colour TV now yeah. it was yellow and blue yeah, do you remember we, those? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah we couldn't afford one of those Darius <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, sure, but sure. I saw one of we my, to my aunties neighbors. Yeah. they had one
0: amazing <laughs> I used to think little people were in the back of the TV yeah they had lots of yeah. cowboys running around the back. I used to look around for cowboys in the back of the TV you know, I was interesting 20 then the, the, this, one's <laughs> no. not
1: a, this one's not a joke and, and this one stayed in my life primary school I'm five years old and the teacher says we're going to do an experiment in the morning with ice and water can you all bring some ice cubes in please so next day every boy and girl brings in a bag of ice cubes apart from me so the teacher said where's your ice "Uh, Jeff have you not bought any ice I said miss I'm sorry we don't have a fridge Wow and that was the first time I started looking around and thinking, wow, Comparing. am I poor?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but I was, I, I've never thought I was poor, ever. As, mm-hmm. I, as I said, I think poor is a state of mind, broke is a state of pockets.
0: You know? I was um, seven yeah. and uh, they said I had a music talent. Yep. And we went to, a, uh, it, back in Iran, and we went to this college, we got, they, they were, I was being put through tests. And people were being eliminated so I got to whatever well, I didn't think anything and they played the tune and I had to tap to it and I remembered it it was just blown away they gave me a scholarship wow for piano wow and I was everybody's hero for days and then uh, they cancelled it because we didn't have a piano at home oh. so from like being seven and being like that that was my
1: that was my dad's story mm. the same story with a violin yeah and I was, it, I was just
0: thinking my family said so please buy a piano we couldn't afford a piano yeah oh.
1: that was my dad's story exactly the same but with yeah. violin and then I, I didn't ask to play music my dad started playing music right. so he bought a keyboard for home he had a number of lessons and I would just sit on the stairs and watch and then, when the teacher went, I would go down and I would play. Wow. And he said, Well, you're better than me, you just carry on. So he lived his music life through me.
0: Amazing. You were very close.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very close. Yeah. I love yeah. my mum and dad. They're awesome. Yeah, also. I can
0: feel yeah. it. I can feel it. So, sales. You love sales? Yeah. But KPIs is not sales, really, it's management. Well,.
1: When you're in business, you want to understand what's going on and I think most people really misunderstand KPI, key performance indicators. Th- they see them in general as measurements and targets to be hit. And I've seen some people, you know, get upset with their employees and beat them over the head and because it's they're not completely targets. wrong. Yeah. For me, key performance indicators they're not answers at all they're very intelligent questions so whether you're looking in sales or any aspects of your business the key performance indicator and the benchmark or baseline is there to say here's the expectation yes where are you in relation to this expectation yes. and why yes what's causing this because life is about cause and effect Key performance indicators are effects and they get you to question the causes that generate the effects or the results that you want in your life. Yes. And I think when you view KPI in that way, rather than a target to be hit, then they're far more useful and a more intelligent business tool.
0: Indeed. The first book I read which opened my mind to KPIs was Emith by Michael Gerber. Okay. And he was talking about consistently systems and measuring yes. things. I read it, I thought it's mind blowing. I, you know, I was running a, a business that was like Uncle Sam's Kebab Shop, yeah. while I should have been running a business like McDonald's. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but where what I, what I failed was where nobody came and told me how to. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know the house. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I realized the yeah. problem. Um, so if somebody wants to read your book, they love it. How yeah. can they implement it? Who, who can implement it? Because the owner doesn't have the time, or he says he hasn't got the time. Uh, how do they do it? Is, 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 to come approach you? Do you have a okay. school or a consultancy? Uh, what, what used
1: to frustrate me many years ago, people would come up to me and say, Jeff, you need to work smarter, not harder. Yeah, And they'd tap me on the shoulder, turn and walk away. And I'd say, well, how do I do that then?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for me, key performance indicators do that because they ask intelligent questions. So if you think about the 11 steps, step one is, what do you want. Once you know what you want you think about well what are the causes that are responsible for getting what I want and two of those causes will relate to an effect and that will be a key performance indicator. So it's about understanding what you want and then putting the right measures to create your own chart and course for the journey that you're on. So a ship would never leave the dock without a chart and course Yet so we often go life, to work life, yeah, with and do stuff and just hope we get to some destination somewhere by the end of the day. So most like a rudderless ship, whereas key performance indicators provide you with a rudder and the steering wheel and the wind in your sails.
0: So if somebody wants to use those practices, the yeah. right practices, where do they go? How do they do it?
1: It depends what they want to achieve, of
0: course. Let's uh, say I want efficiency out of my company Okay, I want, and I know I've got inefficiencies. Okay. I know my designers take too long to come up yes. with a process. I know that the brief between my client to the account manager isn't good enough and it's passed down, diluted, yes. and, it, and and the process take longer. It's that quality of work yep. suffers.
1: Yep. So if you know all that, but you don't know how to fix all that, then I would suggest you contact somebody who can help you with that. There's, there's, there's no panacea for all that ails you. Because key performance indicators across the board are key. Mm-hmm. They're key. They're very, very bespoke and unique. You you don't have one silver bullet that fits all. I mean, you you mentioned the word efficiency. Efficiency can mean so many different things. Mm. So it's it's about understanding what you want and then selecting the right ones for it. So it's someone. Uh, look for a coach who can help you in in that specific area but before you hire someone step one you must know what you want don't leave it up to a coach what frustrates me with training I mean I'm here in Dubai doing training courses the number one frustration people pay money they pay a lot lot of money they turn up and I say great we're going to have a couple of days together what do you want? what do you want to learn? what do you want to know? And they haven't thought about it, Mm. and I'm thinking, how can that be? How can you pay thousands of pounds to come and sit in a room, and you don't know what you want from me? It's insane. So what I'm really saying is, there's the parallel for your company as well: is to really understand what you want, and then find the best person to help you in the way that you want to be helped.
0: I think one of my I've I've hired coaches, but actually I end up coaching them. Yep, there you go. Uh, and I pay for the yeah yep. pay for the service. It's crazy, yeah, crazy. How do you qualify the right coach? What do you want?
1: It will step one in the process of all processes. What do you want? If you can tell me what you want, then I'll be able to help you. If you can't tell me
0: what you want, no one is going to help you. Do you do coaching anymore? I do. Wow. So what is? Uh, just day look like? What do you do? What time do you wake up? What time do you go to bed? How much is Jeff time? How much is client time? How much is writing time? Okay. Are you disciplined with your days? I'm
1: disciplined when I write. So I go into book mode and I clear everything away and I give myself a month or two to write. I'm quite disciplined. However, some days I can write 200 words and it'll be just junk and go and I just can't get to the point I want to mm-hmm. and other days I can write 8 or 10,000 words it just it flows. It just comes it just flows yeah so, um, so I what, don't what know what causes that I'm yet yeah. to unravel that so I know you fly I fly yeah and where do you find it? Like,
0: tell me how you balance it all and you're a great husband and you're a great father you travel
1: yeah um.
0: I, no seriously <laughs> how do you fit it on because I've known Jeff for a while now and I come. I don't get how, and you're good at everything you do, in my opinion. You're great at <laughs> what you do, you know, thank it's, you very it's not easy.
1: Yeah, but, but that's a family joke. Um, my daughters, you know, it's, oh, you're brilliant at whatever you do. How yeah. do you do what you yeah. do? And you are. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. But I'm selective on what I do. <laughs> that's okay. probably the secret to it. But flying. Because you know, <coughs>
0: because you know what you want.
1: I know what I want. Absolutely right. What Absolutely do you want, right. What do you want from flying? Flying. Can you remember your very first, earliest desire in life? Can you remember what it was? Riding a bike. Okay. So, so you'd not ridden a bike yet, and your desire I was. I want to jump on a bike and wa- go. I, I want to ride a bike. Yeah. Mine was, I want to fly a helicopter. So I'd be three years old at the time. Wow. And I couldn't shake it off, and it st- stayed with me my whole life. Mm mm-hmm. Um, so coming from the family background, university was never ever on the radar or anything like that. So then, being uh, a helicopter pilot in the force is just never on the radar. Yes. So um, it, it was never to be. Then, I did well. Got married made money. My wife bought me one of these trial lessons in a helicopter for £99 at the local airfield. And I went to fly it. And I could fly it. And, and the instructor said, oh, you've flown these before then? I said, no, no, never. This is the first time I've ever been in one. And he said, oh, you're kidding me. You, you, you're, you're ace at this. I said, yeah, I bet you say that to all the boys. And he said, no, 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 you can really fly this thing. So, um, so you have to use four limbs. But as a keyboard player, I'm using four oh, limbs and true. reading three lines of music. So I'm quite used to moving my limbs independently and thinking in that way. So, um, but then the cost of, of a helicopter is horrific. So I just couldn't justify it. So I thank my wife for the trial lesson and we just carried on in life. But, you know, about three or four times a week, my dream would be flying. My whole life, three, four times a week, I'd be flying. Can't explain it. So then, for, fast forward 10 years, so I get to about 45 now or something. I think, I'm going to go to that airfield, and I'm going to fly the helicopter again. So I did that. He wow, you can fly this thing. So then a couple of years later, a friend came along, who is a pilot in a fixed wing, and he flew to this airfield. We had lunch together there, and he said, instead of a two-seater helicopter, let's both go up in a four-seater. So you'll have a half an hour, I'll have half an hour, so we'll enjoy it. So My first
0: question is, what do you do? You change seats or you can hand it over? No, you land and change seats. there. <laughs> <Mid-air. laughs> yeah, me there. What do you do? Just climb over my knees and I'll push it again. Yeah, so the instructor
1: and you sit in the front, <laughs> and you. then I was sitting in I the see. back and then we land and then swap on oh. yeah so we did that so as a pilot and a fixed wing pilot he couldn't fly this helicopter
0: hmm. so i get in and i can fly this helicopter and he's like oh, wow, But the and basics I of the pedals and the hands still the same you still need to coordinate for as you go up the helicopter is it get any easier uh, still you need A
1: helicopter is more difficult to fly than a fixed wing. fixed wing is really quite easy. All you have to do is land and take off. The flying is quite simple. Okay. Where a helicopter, you have to fly it. You can't leave it.
0: No matter what size the helicopter is, you're still using the yeah, same Yeah, device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um,
1: I've got this urge to fly. I can afford to do it now. But I can't justify it because my wife doesn't want to fly. Does, she'll fly in A380. Is this your dialogue
0: at 45 or now now? That was 45, No, when, I, when I was forty. Yeah, but you have your own. Yeah, there's a different story. Oh, I see. So okay. I ne- we need to fast, we'll yeah, catch yeah, up see. with that. So this is the dialogue you were having when you were 45? Yeah, yeah, I yeah.
1: See. Yeah, okay. so, so the cost of a helicopter is horrific. So you, you're looking at half a million dollars, Yes. $50,000 servicing, you haven't flown it yet and then to fly it the fuel burn is horrendous so you fly it to Scotland two hours it's like a family holiday and I'm like there's no way I can justify that I just can't justify it so people then have syndicates and have four, five, six people sharing and I thought I really don't want to do that either So, so I left us so then we go forward then to 2015, not so long ago. I'm thinking, well, I can't fly a helicopter or can't justify the cost of flying a helicopter. But I want to fly something. because so I, I want to semi-retire and something to plug the gap. So a new challenge because, again, a pilot's license is not easy. You've got your exams. And then it's something to do on a nice day, go flying. So I thought, I'll have a look at a microlight or, or something. So I went onto Google, as you do, looked on this website and there was this thing called a gyrocopter that looks like a helicopter and I thought, wow, what is this? And this thing had just been invented, just. It looks amazing. It does. Yeah. So, um, so it looks like a helicopter. It's all it's enclosed. Half
0: plane, half helicopter. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's awesome. So I found out where the importer was and it was an hour and a half from my home. So I picked up the phone. Do you have one of these in stock? And they said, yeah, I said, I'm coming over. And I, w- I was at home at the time. So I was put my coat on yes. and my wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to look at an aircraft. And my wife said, oh, no, She said, this is not going to go away, is it? And I said, my whole my first desire is to fly a helicopter.
0: Don't my hold wife, me back on 30 know, years of marriage. <laughs> I said,
1: I, and she yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, and she never kidding. has. She's, she's fantastic. I don't even have to say anything, you know. So I went to have a look we and I saw it. You want to where
0: they get, it gets them from, right?
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I went to have a look and I just thought, wow, that's for me. That's for me. And the price of it, Darius, is like buying a car. Yes. It's not like buying a yes, helicopter. Yes. A very
0: expensive car, but yes, I know what you mean. Um, yeah.
1: The maintenance is the same as a car. <laughs> fuel burnt, same fuel. Fuel burn, same as a car so Amazing. yeah they're inside
0: it's closed right and is it yeah. like insulated is it noisy um it is noisy but
1: you have a special headset with noise reduction on I there see. so with a microphone so you're
0: talking it to sounds the stupid intercom- so you can't have the stereo on yes you can you yep. can have the stereo yeah, on
1: and i do that when i'm on my own yeah really? i put my phone and bluetooth it to the headset you're put some music me. on and then go But you have to turn this off when you speak to air traffic control. Sure, (laughs) you can't have the Beatles on. So,
0: um, as your Tom Jones. So, how far have you travelled? You gone to Scotland? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, here's an interesting one. Your wife? No, my wife. My wife has been in it once, and she was absolutely terrified. She will go in it again at some point, but uh, I tricked her into it,
0: and uh, she didn't like it. uh, Do you feel turbulence and movement a lot because it's smaller? If in a small fixed-wing aircraft, you would. You you
1: bop them down, where where in this you don't, because the rotors are not connected to an engine. They go around all by themselves. So they absorb all of the um, turbulence and airflow. So you're just sitting nice and smooth and quiet underneath. It's phenomenal, yeah. How many of these exist in the UK? Of the model that I have... I believe there's something in the order of about thirty-five. That's all. But there are others
0: worldwide. This one here in Dubai. And then where'd you keep it? You store it in, in your garage? You fold the so, thing. So you know in a trailer to th- this this airfield where I went to do the
1: trial flight yes, for it. Yes. There. So it's an old World mm-hmm. War II air force base. So we have a, a hangar there, and um, we have five gyros in
0: there just for us. Nice modern hangar. So it's all nice and clean. So we just go whenever we want to go fly. Let's say you're near the airport. Do you have to let the airport know that you're in the air? Or how do they, you not bump into another airliner? Okay, it's, it's a lot more serious
1: than that. Yeah. So, if, so one day, for instance, you say, do, do I go to Scotland? I live in the middle of the country. So to drive to Scotland is five, six hours, something like that. To fly... I I went out, I had breakfast one morning, I said to my wife, I'm going flying. She said, where are you going? She said, I don't know yet. I haven't decided. I get to the airfield and I think, I'm going to Scotland. So he now answers your question. So I have to call the airfield where I want to land and say, is it okay if I land with you today? And they say, "Yes." yes. So they take all of your aircraft information and everything like that. Now, at the airfield where I am, I say, I'm going out today and I'm leaving here and I'm going to that airfield. So both air traffic controllers no. know what it is. On the aircraft, you have a thing called a transponder. So you know when you watch the movies and the radar screen is there and you get this beep, beep. Yes. It cre- creates this, but it's got your name, address, your telephone number, your blood group, everything is on there. So when I take off or when I'm out of the hangar and I want a taxi to the runway, I first have to speak to air traffic control. You have to have permission to do everything. Of course. And do that. So once I've taken
0: off, then you're free. So you get a permission prior to flying. No, you, when you're in the yeah. air, so like, which height can I go and all this, what's available? It's all pre. Uh, well, the height that you can go, um, the, the maximum
1: height is 10,000 feet. Okay. And, and that's not the limitation on any aircraft, that's the limitation on any non pressurized aircraft. Because when a human being goes to ten thousand feet, we can breathe. At twelve thousand feet, there is not enough oxygen there, and we begin to suffer from Light hypoxia. Heading, yes. So, ten thousand feet is the limit in a, in a non uh, non pressurized aircraft. Because of pressure, pressure,
0: there's so stupid questions. No, on a normal odd. airliner, yeah, there's pressure yeah. and they pump oxygen. That's right. Yeah, really, it's all pumped in. Yeah, so there's oxygen tanks on a normal airliner. Yeah. yeah.
1: I didn't know that. And they, they filter all, all the air from outside. So if someone shot a gun, for instance, yes. and it went through the body of the yes. air, it, it would just shatter into pieces.
0: Because of the pressure?
1: It's all pressurised,
0: yeah. Huh? Amazing. amazing. So you end up in Scotland. So h- the funny what part... What if you go to Scotland? say so like, yeah. s- screw, screw the... I going to land in a the field. The, no, no,
1: the, the funny... I'll come to that one <laughs> in a moment. The funny part... So it's i left home in the morning... I'm going flying, I don't know where. So, so this was 8.30, so I said nine o'clock, I'll be wheels up. She said, what time are you coming home? And I said, I'll, I'll be home five, six o'clock, something. <laughs> so 11 o'clock, I call her, so it was just two hours later. You're in Scotland. So she said, where are you? I said, I'm in Scotland. She said, in Scotland? It takes six hours to drive there. And I said, yes, but I'm flying at 100 miles an hour in a straight line. Mm-hmm. So, whew, straight through Manchester Airport, through the, where all the A380s are, all things. So you have to be careful. Yeah, so you, you, but you take exams for all of these things. You don't just jump in an so aircraft and off you go.
0: So past other airports, you have to yeah, let them you, know, you, right?
1: you speak to air traffic control. So you have a radio that's linked to your headset, and then you change the frequency to that, air traffic controller and you speak to that air traffic controller So you've and, got you've
0: constantly got to be aware of yeah, what's yeah, going you're on, right? you you're always speaking like something. go like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah yeah that's right okay yeah absolutely autopilot and it, just yeah, chill. it's not like driving uh-huh. i was flying here to dubai uh, a few months ago and uh, i came business class and i was upstairs on an a380 having a drink at the back at the bar and there was a guy there and i said so what are you doing here and he said i'm going to iraq and I said, What are you going to do in Iraq? He said, I'm going to teach them about air traffic control. And I said, Oh. I said, So the, the British are the best air traffic controllers in the world. Okay. And, and everyone speaks English around the world, it's a universal language. And Greenwich Mean Time is the universal time clock around yes, the world yes. for flight. Mm-hmm. So um, he said, Yes, so I'm going to teach them. I said, Where do you work? He said, Birmingham air traffic control no. well, I'm 10 miles away when I take off yeah. and I fly through Birmingham airspace twice a week huh. so when you do that my call sign is Golf Sierra Juliet Echo Foxtrot so I so said I work at Birmingham airspace so I said Golf Sierra Juliet Echo Foxtrot request for transit and he went are you Jeff
0: Smith and I went you yeah are joking. <laughs> how you amazing are joking. was that <coughs> small world huh? isn't it just Wow.
1: Yeah, so So to answer your question. How often do you fly? Okay, the average pilot, the average private pilot does 30 hours a year. Mm -hmm. I do about 150 hours a year. Okay. So I like to fly whenever I can.
0: Amazing. And the weather, does it affect? Like you said, pissing it down in England, which does often. You don't go. You still. Uh, I
1: wouldn't take off in the rain. Okay. But if I'm caught in the rain, um, then then you can fly through
0: through it. Ever been a time when you're worried, like the wind's too high or this is a light aircraft, isn't it? So, um, Has a bit the th- of time you th- oh, th- this, the thing this th- could be the day.
1: The thing is with the gyro is, those, it, it feeds on the wind. Mm-hmm. So the windier it is, uh, you're just using the wind to your favor. The engine is not connected to the rotors, nothing is connected to the rotors. it's
0: so how do the rotors go around? So they use the, the wind. air?
1: The wind. And it's, it's not a windy day? Well, you know when you're a little boy, would you, did you have a, a stick with a windmill on the end? Yes. And then you force you it run. into the wind and it goes around. Yes. It, that's the principle on which it works. So uh, you start off by connecting it to the, engine, the engine to start I it know. off. And then you go along the runway yes. and you force. Yeah, it's fabulous Amazing. technology. Amazing. It, it Gyro. Is. Gyro. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take you one day.
0: Love to. Love to. I'll be honored. Yeah, I'll thank take you. Thank you.
1: So can you land anywhere? It's a bit like a car. Can you park anywhere? The no. answer is yes, providing you have permission.
0: Okay. So you can't park in any field, it's just farmers not around and just pick up and go. Uh, I
1: have actually done that, yes. So when you think this is the day, mm-hmm. um, what, you, what you can't do is fly without visibility. Okay. And I got caught in fog one day, and the fog was coming down, and I was down at 200 feet. And you s- see. Anything. And I couldn't see. And you've got electric cables yeah, and exactly. things, so so you trained in all of these things. Bring it down. I, I just landed way. it in a field, and I just waited for a couple of hours to be cleared, and then I took off and cool got to where it got. Yeah, Do
0: you have my sandwiches in the, in the in the yeah sandwiches and stuff? Yeah, my wife is uh, awesome them. for that. She puts them in a nice cool
1: bag for me, and make nice. sure I'm
0: okay. That's nice. Amazing. Well, thank you. Now um, KPIs. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to KPIs. Where, where are you going with this, Jeff? What's your What's your plan in the next couple of years? I know uh, you say semi-retirement, but you're working harder than most people. Yeah,
1: write the books. I see. I think we were talking earlier about some people have innate skills and things. I also think we each have a purpose. And for those of us who are fortunate enough to find our purpose, then work is not work at all and things just, life is good. I think my purpose was to write the KPI book. Now here's an interesting phenomenon. Because I was so interested in music at school, I was not interested in anything at school. I failed maths and English and I've now written the best selling book in the world on mathematics. How does that work?
0: Mm. Because you found your passion.
1: I found my passion, but also I think if I was educated to do it, it would have been too complex for the ordinary man to understand. Sim- uh, you made it simple. Yeah. My, so my superpower is clarity. Uh-huh. I take something real complex and make it easy for anyone to understand. And I, one of my funny sayings is if Edison had an, an MBA, he'd try and invent a larger candle. That's true. That's true.
0: Because I'm dyslexic and I simplify things because I'm dyslexic. Sure. Keep it simple, stupid, right? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So the answer to my question is: Where's Jeff in year two, three years now? I've not yet decided,
1: which, if you think about the eleven steps, what do you want? Because uh, life's it's a little unbalanced now with the girls leaving home and. Uh, our life is about our family, and now the girls are sorted. We have enough money to do what we want to on our own now. We had our, f- my wife and I had our first holiday together on our own a couple of weeks that's ago. Amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. it was lovely, and uh, and we're just finding each other now again. So we have to find a way to be man and wife again, that's rather beautiful. than yeah. a mum and dad. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and uh, so we're on that journey now. What does that mean for work? Uh, I've got myself a man cave now, so I've got myself an office. And I haven't had an office before because I've traveled so much before.
0: Yes, hotel um, rooms and stuff. Yeah, so
1: if I had an office, I would never be in it. Yeah, so I would yeah. never be in the, in the country. So, I mean, the last count was 72 different countries I've spoken in. And I mean, I must have been to Dubai 50 times. So hundreds of different cities. So now I'm thinking, I need to make some time for us, yes. and, but also some time for me. So I fly. Mm-hmm. I also fly for a charity called Skywatch, Civil Air Patrol. So we observe and report for the emergency services. And they've, they've just nominated me to be the CEO of that organization mm-hmm. and a trustee. So I feel very privileged and very proud. So um, at the moment, it's a lot of happy pilots yes. with good intentions. Yes. No KPI in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, guess, what, this, guess yes. what's coming? Yeah. So I'm going to set it up like a business that's so much more structured, and there's a career path for the pilots, yes. observers and navigators, mm-hmm. and, um, and help them and motivate and, and give them a reason to fly. You said you did some
0: consultancy. If I wanted to uh, ask for your advice to come and fix my problems or my challenges in my business, yes, how would I go by doing that? How would I? How do you decide how long it's going to take? What do you need from us? What we need from you? How does it work?
1: Well, whether it's you or anyone else, let's
0: say me, because I do yeah, have pain.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, well, I would sit down with you, and your first question would be, "What do you want?" Tell me about your pain, mm-hmm. and, and uh, my. Integrity here and my honesty here is the most important thing for me because if you've got a problem And I don't think I'm the right person to help you. I will say I can't help you This is not about
0: the money, but if
1: I know what the problem is and I know how to fix it. Yeah,
0: I think I know what the problem is But I just don't know how to measure it and make Mm -hmm. sure it's consistently measured.
1: Yeah For for instance the, the largest dealer group in the UK is owned by a very famous person And this famous person called me on the telephone and he said, uh, Jeff, we've got a problem in our organization. I don't know how to fix it. Would you be able to come and help us? And I said, I think so. I said, but the first thing is I'll come up and meet with you and I'll find out what you want and what you think the problem is and what outcome you want. Mm -hmm. So he said, okay, let's book two days. And I said, oh, goodness me. No, it won't take two days. I said, it, it will take half a day maximum. He said, no, 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 no. My problem is it, huge. It, it's, it's, it's going to be at least two days for you to understand. I'm saying, if you want to book two days of time, so let's book two sure. days of time, and I'll reserve two days of time. But if I haven't got it sorted and with an answer in half a day, you'll be the first case in 30 years of not been able yes. to do that. Yeah. I said, I promise you, it'll be sorted by midday. So he started laughing. And I said, I'm not here to take your money from you. So if I can do it, I will. So I, I flew up to meet him. And um, I didn't meet him. I met his... Uh, second in uh, oh, second command. Second in command. She gave me all the information. So by 10 o'clock, we were sorted. So now we're just waiting for him to arrive at 1.30. Wow and he arrived at 2 o'clock by which time we would put everything else in place so he said how are you getting on I said oh we done. we're done by okay. 10 o'clock wow. so uh, happy yeah yeah so then I said ok now here's what you want to do here is what i recommend now if you want to go this recommended path i will help you if you want to go another path please find somebody else
0: amazing and they utilize your services. yeah 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 i'm booked to go there now so how do we contact you somebody's listening to this and says i need i need jeff yep. and his team what will how yeah do you know? so um,
1: jeff smith so it's jeff with F my website is jeff-smith.com when i speak at conferences um, people might not remember my name a couple of weeks afterwards, but as I'm talking about key performance indicators and stuff, it's oh, who was that guy? You know, the KPI guy.
0: So you can find the KPI guy. Yes, yes. So so you the, Amazing. Amazing. Jeff, thank you. Thank you so my much. Absolute I hope, I hope pleasure. you enjoyed this, uh, this I did. chat. It's lovely. I want, I want to do this again if that's okay with you.
1: Well, I tell you what, uh, let's do a deal. I'd like to do it again. But role reversal, I'll, I'll sure. interview you. Is that sure.
0: cool? it would be my pleasure. Okay, when are you here next?
1: It. I'm here uh, at the end of September, early October.
0: End of September, it's, I'm here. Okay. Let's do it. Okay, we're on. And then maybe reverse it again, because there's so much more I want to show sure. from you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I don't know how long you've been, but it's, it's gone up really quickly. So thank you yeah. so much. Thank you so much, Darius. Absolute honour. Pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, you so you. much. See you in two weeks. Yeah. Bye.